a linking psalm. Jim's been talking on some of the psalms. I'd like you, if you will, to go to Psalm 11. Psalm 11. We're going to link this up with our thoughts of the prompting for thanksgiving in the New Testament letters. So if you look at Psalm 11 first, please. Psalm 11. And I'll read the psalm, all of it. And see how very appropriate these verses are for the days in which we live. You see when I read the psalm. In the Lord I put my trust. How can you say to my soul, flee as a bird to your mountain? The wicked bend their bow. They make their ready arrow on the string, that they may shoot secretly at the upright in heart. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? We're thinking about that this morning. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Is this in verse 4. The Lord is in his holy temple. He's on the throne. The Lord's throne is in heaven. His eyes behold, he sees everything. His eyes test the sons of men. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire and brimstone and burning wind. This shall be the portion of their cup. For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteousness. His countenance beholds the upright. What we read in this psalm is very much about the situation we find in our own country. I don't need to say any more. But in the light of all that, the Lord is in control. The Lord is enthroned on high in heaven, he says. And he sees men. And he deals with wickedness and violence. So we praise the Lord for that. He's on the throne. No matter what we see around us, we give thanks for who he is. What he proposes to do. What he is doing. What he's done in the past. And as the heading of this is, Faith in the Lord's righteousness. Praise for him. There are many reasons for thanksgiving. We're going to look at some of them in the New Testament letters. Would you go with me, first of all, to 1 Corinthians? We're going to look at 1 Corinthians and 2nd and Ephesians. A couple of verses in Colossians and finally 1 Thessalonians. Well, let's go to 1 Corinthians 1 first, please. Paul begins his letter to this troubled church, this church which has many problems which the Apostle Paul endeavours to deal with in this first letter. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verses 4 and 5, his introduction. Though he knows the troubles and the turmoil this church is in and the things you get mixed up in. But in chapter 1 verses 4 and 5, Paul says this, as the Holy Spirit guides, I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which is given you to you by Christ Jesus, that you were enriched in everything by him, in all utterance and all knowledge, despite the problems of that in that church at Corinth. He says, I thank you, the Lord, that he's given you grace and has saved you. He's enriched your lives in everything that you have as a believer, he says. In everything, all we can say in utterance, all the things that we know. He says, I thank my God for you, troubled church in Corinth. So he looks at the Lord, not so much at their problems. <coughs> grace of God enriches our lives. Thank you, Lord. Go on to one from 1 Corinthians to Ephesians, please, would you? Ephesians chapter 1, lovely letter. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 2. Now in this letter, there is much to say about the riches of God's grace. Exceeding riches. The riches of his glory. This letter is full of riches. Chapter 2 and verse 4, here's one of them. Chapter 2 and verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, made us alive together with Christ by grace we've been saved. God, who is rich in mercy to you and to me, did we deserve salvation? Absolutely not. Did we deserve his favor? No, but that's what grace is. 
undeserved favour. And he's written it towards us. And praise the Lord, full of thanksgiving for his mercies and his great love towards each one of us. We thank the Lord for that. Go to verse 7 in the same chapter with me. Chapter 2 and verse 7. This is what he says in the light of that. In the ages to come, what is in the future? He must show the exceeding of his grace. Can you measure exceeding? I don't think so. It's such an abundance you can't. It's exceeding. Exceeding. Unmeasurable. Inexhaustible. Continuous in his grace and kindness. There's a reason for thanksgiving for that. Go to chapter 3 with me while we're in the same letter. Chapter 3 in verse 8. Chapter 3 in verse 8. And the Apostle Paul speaks about his own situation, which you know his background, of course. To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, there's humility, if you like, for a man of his ability, this grace was given. I don't deserve it. I'm the least. Look at all the things that I did to try and wipe the church out. And God was gracious to me. Oh, he's so thankful for that. This grace was given. I received the grace, the unmeasurable grace. It can't be counted, can't be measured. It's so extensive to me. So that I have this tremendous privilege, he says, of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. The unsearchable riches of Christ are so deep, it's such a treasure, you can't reach it all. It's unsearchable. Tremendous, isn't it? And we have that gift of grace, you and I, in exactly the same way. Without Christ within us, we can't even attempt to think about that. We can't even measure it. It's so abounding. Look in verse 18 in the same chapter 3. This is one of Paul's prayers. It's marvellous. I chip into it. Christ dwelling in our hearts in verse 17 through faith. Rooted and grounded. Verse 17. Verse 18. We may be able to comprehend, to understand, to grasp, to get a grip with. That which passes knowledge. It passes all human knowledge and understanding. That's no good. The world's knowledge will never lead us to Christ. What do we try and understand? the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, I would say surpasses knowledge, in verse 19. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly, not as exceeding grace, exceeding mercy, but exceedingly abundantly, above all that we can ask or think according to the power of the works in us, to him be glory in the church. Amen to that. Oh, the richness of the Lord towards you and I. It's superabundant. It's exceeding. It's unmeasurable. Thank you, Lord. What good reason do we have? Glory in the church? Yes. Give him praise and thanksgiving. Yes, back in verse 16. Oh, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory. That word according is important. It's not out of his riches. If somebody gives you some money out of their bank account, they are less that money. But this is not out of God's riches. It is according to them. He doesn't get less because he gives. It's according to his riches. In order to be strengthened with power and strength in the Holy Spirit in the inner man within. Wonderful, isn't it? Just while we're close by, let's move on to a similar letter in Colossians. Colossians chapter 4. Colossians, we're looking chapter 2 first. Colossians chapter 2. And look at verses 6 and 7. A very similar letter to the Ephesians. Chapter 2 of Colossians, verses 6 and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, go through life in harmony with him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, and you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Rooted, 
built up, we receive Christ, we're established in the faith, we've been taught that, now abound with thanksgiving for what you received. Wonderful, isn't it? Go on to chapter 4, verse 2. Chapter 4 and verse 2. It talks about prayer now. Continue earnestly. Put an effort into it. Your strength into it. In prayer, being vigilant. Oh yes, need that today. In prayer, with thanksgiving. Thank you Lord for the privilege of prayer. We can meet you, we can reach you, we can talk to you, you can talk back through your word to us. And we pray, and you receive our prayers, your ear is ever open to our cry. Oh, what a privilege. Almighty God willing to talk with us, and he's to receive what we would like to share, our burdens and concerns with him. Praying, continually, continue earnestly. Being vigilant, what's for and what we need to pray for, it's tremendous, isn't it? Now why did he say this to the church at Colossae? Because they were being infiltrated by false teaching. He said, watch out what you hear, what you listen to, or what you read. Be very careful, it won't lead you astray into bypass meadow, as Bunyan said. So be careful, because there's infiltration of false teaching. You need to watch out for that, and continue earnestly in prayer. When you do that, you will know. If you know the word of God, you know where the false teaching is. Certainly true. Go into 1 Thessalonians 5. Next letter. 1 Thessalonians 5. Let me go back to 2 Corinthians. 2 Thessalonians. Sorry, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians. Chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Let's look uh, from verse 16. It's really a summary of all that Paul wanted to unburden himself to these lovely Christians at Thessalonica. He'd only been with them three weeks. And yet he taught them deep things. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, as he concludes. Let's start from verse 15. See that no one renders evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good, both for yourselves and for all. Seek the good of others. And thank the Lord for your fellow Christians that support you, pray with you, and gird you, be friends with you. And that is a strength in itself. Read on. 16. Rejoice always. Oh, we have good reason for what I've been sharing now and what you know. To rejoice always. Never short of the need to rejoice. Pray without a ceasing. It's not 24 hours a day, but it means be ready to pray with doubting prayers, concerned prayers, so the Lord prompts your mind to pray through the day, even through the night. That does happen to us. And in everything, verse 18, what a summary. Rejoice. Pursue what is good. 15 and 16. Pray as often as you feel led to. And in everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It's his will for you to be full of thanksgiving to him for all the reasons that, that it is so. Wonderful that, isn't it? In everything, even the hard things, because they lead us and teach us and prune us and shape us and sanctify us. Give thanks. Let's go back to Second Corinthians now, please. Second Corinthians. Two places, first of all, chapter 9, then we go back to chapter 4. 2 Corinthians, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11. We've been thinking of Psalm 23 and how the Good Shepherd supplies all our needs. Now may he who supplies, this is verse 10 of 2 Corinthians 9, now may he who supplies seed to the sower, bread for the food, Supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness, so that becomes spiritual too. 
While you are enriched, there is the word again, like Ephesians, while you are enriched in everything, for all liberality, you have got freedom as Christians, within the narrow confines of the instruction of the word of God, of course. He supplies all the needs of the saints. And verse 11 says at the end, which causes thanksgiving, whatever the Lord provides for us, physically, spiritually, even promised Noah that... Uh, Seed time and harvest, spring, summer and autumn will always be with us while this world continues as it is. And he says, verse uh, 11 there, you are enriched in everything with a lot of freedom to express that to the Lord, which causes you to give thanks. Because that's true, isn't it? Go back to chapter 4 with me now. There's a couple more scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, look at verses 14 to 16. 2 Corinthians 4, 14 to 16. Knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus, resurrection, will also raise us up with Jesus, with Jesus, and will present us with you, that generation of Paul's day, with us too in our day. Resurrection. Hallelujah. Rapture or resurrection, whichever it shall be, we're going to be with the Lord forever. A new glorified body. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. He's going to do it. He raised up his son by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 1, 4. He's going to raise us up too. Wonderful, isn't it? Read on to 15 and 16. For all things are for your sakes. Everything the Lord does is for you. It's not to be self-centered. It's to be Christ-centered. That grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Abundant thanksgiving to his glory. What is glory? His honor. His splendor, his majesty, his brilliance, his brightness. For all things that he for you is that grace that having spread through the many may cause thanksgiving to bound to the glory of God. Therefore we do not lose heart. In verse 16. And as I read Psalm 11, there could be very much to lose heart over. Especially in the days in which we live. And in our own country at the moment. But we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing and we know it. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Hallelujah. One day we're going to be conformed and transformed to the very likeness of Christ. In character and personality we're going to be like him. And live with him forever. Thank you Lord. And though we have a light of friction now and again. We do go through these periods. Verse 17. It's spoke for a moment as God sees it. We think it's a long time. But it's working for us not against us. It's working for us. A far more exceeding, there's a word again, can't measure it, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's to be with him. Wonderful, isn't it? So thanksgiving is the right, have the right attitude for gratitude, one might say. For what we receive through the benevolent shepherd, loving care, he gave his life for the sheep, he was raised for the sheep. He was raised for his own glory. Everything is centered in Christ and for Christ. We just enjoy the benefits. His benevolent and gracious hand, full of exceeding mercies and grace and loving kindness. Hesed of the Old Testament, mercy, loving kindness, tender-hearted grace and goodness. Every reason, we full of thanksgiving to the Lord. Turn back to one psalm. And then where Jim was in the Psalm 103 this time. Psalm 103, please. Psalm 103. Here we are, Psalm 103. Look in verse 2, and this really sums it all up. Psalm 103 and verse 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. That sums it up, doesn't it? 
I worked with a friend of mine teaching RE in Chester Grammar School uh, for a period of time. My colleague was quite an expert in knowledge of Hebrew. And he said, in the Hebrew language, the word in Hebrew for bless is to worship God on bent knee. To get down before the Lord in humility before Almighty God and to pray and give thanks. To bless the Lord. It's in Ephesians chapter 1. We've received all many blessings and we bless the Lord for his blessings to us. Have the right attitude of gratitude.